Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. Thanks for joining us today for our Flourish Podcast. Today I have my dear friend Susie Bashto with me, and it's a great honor. She happens to be in town. Uh, she lives in Crown Point, Indiana with her husband Dick. And I'll tell you what, it's kind of weird because Keith has known you for what, how many years? Like 30 or 40? At least. And you and I did not really get to know each other till about like 15 years ago, I think. Or and so. you came on a mission trip to China. Exactly. I got tricked into that a bit, but <laughs> I'm so glad I went. See, otherwise we would never have met. <laughs> I know. And now we've become wonderful friends. We and have. I'm so thankful for that opportunity. But Susie wears a ton of hats, and I've seen her in action on so, in so many different areas. Like, I saw you in China, and I was just kind of amazed at the way you and Dick function together. I've seen you organize events, and I've been amazed at that. She has five kids. Mm-hmm. She's a grandma to how many? Eight. Eight children. She's a missionary involved in, oh my gosh, they do something called the Roar Schools, and you could tell a little bit about that for sure. She's been a pastor's wife, an administrator, and so many, many, many things. You're making me tired. <laughs> <laughs> you make me tired. <laughs> so I thought we could start off by you sharing how you've navigated the seasons and changes in your life, stayed close to the Lord, and stayed close to your family, and have impacted so many people, the world, everything. Just How do you navigate all that? How have you walked through life? and been so influential, so busy, so impacting? Well, first of all, I love the seasons. I grew up in New Jersey, and I experienced all of the seasons every year until we moved to Louisiana, (laughs) and it seemed like there was one endless season or maybe (laughs) two. And that disappointed me because seasons have always been special to me. Um, The season of... Uh, early missions, the season then of raising children, the season of seeing them develop and blossom into their own person. You've experienced that with their own talents and abilities. And now sort of an empty nester season where we're more free to go Mm -hmm. and do and kind of like all of them have been so exciting. That's great attitude. Um, And so I've always prayed to the Lord. I've been intrigued by the parable of the talents. Mm -hmm. And I asked the Lord early on to just give me one, but I promised him that I wouldn't bury it. And that if, not like the story, but if I got the one talent, I would invest it and change the story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I started with all the things you just lifted. And I decided the one talent would be faithfulness. Mm, That you are. And so um, life has just taken its curves and turns and mountains and valleys over the last 50 years. Hard to believe since I told God that. Now everyone listening knows about how old I am. And um, I've just seen God do amazing things and start to multiply the talents until the point where... I'm just shocked at my own life. Yeah, I bet. I bet you probably stand back and go, how did this all happen? Seriously. And, you know, it got to two talents and then five. And then, you know, and the story ends where the guy with the five talents, when he gets more, and then he even gets the one guy's talent. It's exactly. like, no, God. <laughs> enough, enough. But I'm so thankful for the different seasons 
and how God has used them. And, you know, when you say all those things, it's not like I became them overnight. I'm sure. I, yeah. So I think the answer is investing in every season, enjoying it, but giving it all you have, no matter what. And I've certainly seen that in you. You can tell a bit about your kids, too. I mean, I know several of your children. I don't know them all, really. But they're all incredibly gifted. Susie's a musician, and her husband, Dick, is an amazing guy. But I know, like, several of your children, like your son, Daniel, wrote God's Not Dead, the song. That's correct. Which is pretty amazing. And Harvest Mm -hmm. has been very musically uh, involved. I'm sure probably all your kids are incredibly musical. Tabitha, who I have gotten to be great. Susie shares her with me. She were great friends. By the way, she's going to be listening to this, so I have oh, to make great. sure I send her love and oh, say hi. We love you, Tabitha. Yes, we do. <laughs> but, you know, she's very musically gifted as well and has led uh, worship at our, our Flourish podcast. So tell a little bit about your kids and just about each one just for a tad, you know. Well, just like a mom would be, and you would expect a mom to be, as you are too, I'm sure. I'm proud of all of my kids. Yeah. And I really use the scripture along with Dick, train up a child, Proverbs, uh, you know, the way they should go. Right, right. Um, And so we took care to sort of see how God was giving gifts and giftings, yeah. and then we wanted to develop them. Mm-hmm. So I tried not to live my childhood over again and force them into certain things like playing the piano or (laughs) you know what I had done but see the gifts and talents in them and then develop them so at an early age let's say you talked about Daniel he started violin I know this sounds crazy at the age of three with a wonderful violin teacher in Metairie Louisiana Katie Tyree she still comes and brings her violin to some of the NRP uh, leadership conferences and you can say man that is crazy a three-year-old well what we saw in Daniel was him taking out the pots in the kitchen and the wooden spoons and lining them all up like a drum set and then just you know beating them and that's how he spent his you know second and third year and we said wow he's got rhythm this might be something and he didn't stick with violin he did that for a few years and he went on to drums and he really of all the instruments Daniel plays probably he's the has the greatest strength in the drums and no one knows that but then he went on to guitar and then of course keys and then you know mostly writing songs at this point right um and so each one was like that though rebecca had a a bend towards government yeah um the other ones also musicians but we also um we limited their activities with five children and a ministry and my husband traveling in mission we couldn't do everything right and i think sometimes that's where young families get in a ditch and they try to spread themselves out too thin um and they're just racing all over and life is crazy but we we said it's either sports or music and then you have another chance the next season against seasons and so they mostly chose music but the boys dabbled in sports so did the girls Mm -hmm. but then again train up a child in the way they should go as the years progressed then we really started investing in the areas we felt they were strong in Mm -hmm. and we sacrificed yeah and you know they turned out like they did and i love them all and i'm very proud of them. you should be i mean you've had incredible fruit with your kids um i had a question how did you involve your kids in the ministry when they were young that's a great question 
And the answer is sometimes we did and sometimes we didn't. Mm -hmm. Of course, living in the mission realm for most of our married lives, um, one thing we tried to do was at an early age take them on the mission field with us. You, you took them all at one point or another? At some, we, in the early days, we took them all to Mexico with us, and that's where we were investing in. But as time passed and we got more into the unreached areas of the world, we took one a year, mm-hmm. and we helped them to raise their own support. And they've got stories about how orange envelopes showed up in the mailbox uh, every week at one point for one of our kids. And um, we exposed them to the nations, Mm -hmm. the unreached, Mm -hmm. the the need of the world to hear about Jesus. Um, We also, I can remember um, taking them all to prayer meetings at Reserve Church where Dick and I served under Brother Rod Aguilar for 20 years. We would have all-night prayer meetings. So you weren't real rigid, like they have to be in bed at such and such a time. No, we were very flexible and tried to be creative with our kids. In fact, when we were real busy and, you know, dinner might have been at 7, 7.30 because yeah. of whatever we did during the day, I remember 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night walks and looking at the stars with them and telling them stories as we walked along. And we really, we maximized our days and we took advantage of being creative with each one. That's pretty cool. I remember my mom telling me, my mom passed away, went to be with Jesus a little bit ago, but she said she was raised by her grandmother who was a wonderful Christian. And she said they would go to um, revival meetings and she would be on the pew sleeping until midnight, sometimes one o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I've talked to young mothers at times, and they could be stressed about bedtimes and keeping this schedule and all that type. But it didn't hurt my mom any. I'll tell you what, she was one of the most precious, lovely people I've ever met, and it certainly didn't hurt your kids. I think it made them adventurous. Yeah. I think it made them want to take risks, risks and think outside the box. Yeah. You know, they would lug their pillows, their sleeping bags, their little dolls, and put to them church. to bed. Yeah, they would go under the seats, though, in the back. I love it. And they'd stay up as long as they could, and, uh, you know, then they would fall asleep listening to worship and prayer and things like that. That's now, one great. other thing, you know, an interesting example in the Bible is Gideon. Mm-hmm. And um, he wanted his oldest son, Jether, to kill the two Midianite kings. And the oldest son wouldn't do it. He freaked out, you know, mm-hmm. whether it was performing that in front of an audience or like what what teenage kid, I'm not sure how old he was, but wants to try his hand at killing two kings, you know. Yeah. And I think that's also a great reminder to us to not throw your kids into ministry too fast Mm -hmm. because it can hurt them it can intimidate them um we had a story uh that happened one time at the church where a little seven-year-old i'm sure the dad was over ambitious for his spiritual life but he had him serving communion Mm. alongside of him but on the opposite side and he tripped and the communion glasses went all over the place well in my humble opinion, probably a seven-year-old shouldn't be serving yeah. communion. Yeah. That's just not right or proper. And so you have to decide what's a good age, right. you know, to, to bring your kids into the more um, spiritual things and uh, give them small assignments. And when they do well at that, then maybe a little bigger of an assignment. But it takes effort. It takes yeah. prayer. It takes um, creativity. And it takes a good bit of calendar juggling and scheduling yeah but you moms out there you young moms you can do it well that was my next question how would you encourage young women who are feeling overwhelmed 
with life's responsibilities, challenges, struggles, just raising their kids to listen to them even, let alone to aspire to their the child's calling in life. Like how would you encourage them to to get through that and to, to be have peace in their homes and be victorious? How how would you encourage them? Wow. Well, that's a great question and I think they need to look at it as for that season, that's their ministry. That's their prime ministry because mm-hmm. they're raising world changers right. if they invest in them the right way. Right. And so I never worked outside the home um, until my kids went to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Now, once in a while with Harvest, the youngest one, I would come into the Global Roar office and uh, it wasn't Global Roar at the time, it was... Uh, GSMA down south but she would come with me and I'd give her little things to do and I had my own office and she could mm-hmm. just play but really for the first four um, I stayed home and sometimes I did some things from home my actual first assignment in ministry was um, at Brother Rod's church I was new there with Dick and we probably had about 15 babies all at once. Mm. And we were all at that stage. Right. And Brother Rod, any of you reserved church people that are listening to this might remember, um, it was quite a while ago, but all the babies stayed in. There was no nursery. And so they'd all start crying at the same time. <laughs> and Brother Rod would just look at these mothers and say, um, could you take your child out, please? And the mothers would freak out and not want to be embarrassed, but babies would cry. They'd wake up and, you know, they would cry. And so I saw a need. And that probably has been one of the things in my life that God has used to um, help develop my ministry. Mm. I like to look for needs. Mm. I like to problem solve. Mm -hmm. And so going along with that bent of faithfulness, I always ask God, how can I contribute to this situation? How can I do something that will make this better? And so I said to myself, we need a nursery. Mm. And I didn't grow up in a big family. I hadn't been around, you know, I only had my first baby, but all I knew was we couldn't let those babies cry while Brother Rod preached. So I organized a nursery and I figured it out. Everybody was happy. Brother Rod was happy. And so then I went on to the next assignment. Hey, Susie, can you organize these small groups? And I was like, well, if I did babies, I could probably do small groups. groups. And really, that's how the different ministries came about. I was faithful. I looked how to solve a problem. I volunteered like crazy, sometimes even when I didn't know what I was doing. But God just allowed that in my life to multiply. That's pretty cool and pretty great. And I mean, for some of you women listening, maybe you have struggled finding your place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's something to consider is just where is a need that I could help fill? And just be brave enough and courageous enough to look into solving that issue or, or helping with that issue. I have two more things I want to do. One is a question I'm going to ask, and then I want to close with you sharing about Roar and what okay. Roar is and what, what you do and what Dick does. And But I wanted to ask you, for women who are approaching 70, maybe even 80, how can those women still make a vital kingdom impact and not think that our days of influence or being used by God are over? Well, I love the name of our Women's Network, Flourish. And... 
One of my favorite scriptures has been Psalms 92 from 12 through 15. So when I heard that you had chosen the name Flourish, I got excited because I Mm. felt it would impact every single age group, but not just the young mothers or the growing families. It also included those of us who were getting up in years. (laughs) And according to those verses in Psalms, um, as we get older, we will still thrive we will still bear fruit, and we will prosper in our old age, mm-hmm. or older age. Older age. Older there age. you go. There we go. And that means that when we say the word flourish, in the amplified version, it is be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment, and as living memorials declare that the Lord is upright, and here it comes, faithful, So I wanted to be faithful, but I can honestly tell you through my almost 70 years, God has been so faithful. To those of you who are listening that um, are approaching older age, and sooner or later we all will, man, what a great promise from the Word of God to meditate on, to claim. Like, we're going to go out with a bang. Amen. You know, we're going to thrive. We're going to prosper. We're going to bear fruit. We can do things now that we dreamed of when we were young, that God now has given us the time to do, the um, prosperity to do. I'm taking that literally. You know, we can give, we can um, bear fruit, and all of that in contentment, all of that in great joy. And to anybody listening in that age group, man, our best days are here, and we need to make the most of them. That's a great answer. I was with, I think, three of my daughter's, the other day three or four and we were playing this game where you ask each other questions and one of the questions was who would you want to change places with for like a season in life or whatever and several of them said mom because I don't have all those demands on my life where I have to be juggling all these different things at any given moment I have liberty to do I have liberty to get up in the morning have my coffee and spend however long I want reading the bible or just journaling or whatever I want to do you know I have time to go and help people I have time to be with my grandkids or my kids or just kind of whatever Keith wants to do I have tremendous flexibility so it's a good it's a good season you're flourishing I'm flourishing (laughs) and I love it I'm I'm like living the dream man I love it that's amazing to all you young mothers out there (laughs) and all you uh, mid-age teenage moms Uh, invest in your children. God will give you ministries of your own in season. Be faithful and uh, flourish where you're at. But uh, someday you might get to Penny in my age. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun. Yes, it's awesome. (laughs) I'm loving it. So share in closing about Roar and the vision for Roar and just some practical ideas of of what's happening with Roar. Well, God has... um, always put a, uh, a mission heart in us, especially for those who've never heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so we like to say we do two things. Our mission organization is called Global Roar, but the two things are we train and we send. Mm-hmm. And so right now, our emphasis is not only training uh, young ministers, uh, and Dick and I have been involved in the NRP School of Ministry, right. which is a joy, right. but we train specifically national pastors who haven't had a chance to get formal Bible training or go to seminary many times when the word of God comes especially to an unreached area it's like somebody gets saved 
and then they get their someone in their family saved and then mm-hmm. there's a little discipleship group and it grows into a small church and it's like oh we need a leader we need a pastor i guess it's you <laughs> but they do the best they can right. you know they may even have just a portion of the scripture but they haven't really been trained and bible schools are so expensive where you have to leave your family or area and so we have a school called the roar and right now we are in 13 countries. Wow. Hasn't Amazing. happened overnight. It's about 12 years old. Mm. And it was originally started to train our own young people from Livingstone's Church, including our youngest daughter, Harvest, yeah. and one of our pastor's sons. And we were like, we don't want them to go away to you know, Bible school or college and then meet somebody and never mm. come back, you know. Um, and so we started it in our own home church. And after about five years, uh, some of our... Uh, churches overseas said well why can't we do a roar and we were like i don't know why maybe you can and so it started in mongolia in 2013 and spread to india and now we're in these 13 countries and these directors that we've raised up um most of them have a waiting list for their schools and so god is just doing exceedingly abundantly all that we could imagine and then the send part comes once we get these pastors in these schools, and they're primarily for pastors and high-level leaders in local churches, mm-hmm. um, then we envision them the ninth term of the school. It's it's a um, a nine-month modular three-day school. Okay. So they gather together. Some come twenty-four hours away. They walk. Mm. They take trains. They take buses. They get there and they live together for three days. And the last term is mission. And although mission is sprinkled throughout the whole curriculum, we talk about the unreached. And we talk about Matthew 24, 14, about how this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, in every nation. That word nation means ethnic group. Mm -hmm. And so there are 7,000 unreached group left, but only 3,000 are bigger. And so if every country could get envisioned through these graduates, through these pastors, to reach their own nation, the end would come. Jesus said... Once the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all these nations, then the end will come. Mm. And so just recently, like two weeks ago, we were in Kenya teaching missions in that graduation of two schools. Uh, Actually, this year we had 98 graduates in Africa. But we envisioned them for the unreached people groups of their own country and even Uganda, which was right next door to one of the schools. And together as classes, they agreed to adopt 17 unreached people groups and unreached Mm. is defined as two percent or left but some are 0.0 so now through these classes through the roar school pastors are getting trained to go back to their own churches and aspire their own leadership now they're going to the unreached peoples in their own countries which is much easier and inexpensive and conducive to them reaching their own more effective and God is just using these schools, and they are spreading like crazy. We have inv- invitations from all over to do our schools now, and we have to pray and ask God which ones will be the most That's strategic. Amazing. So it's only increasing. It You're is. You're going to be in more and more and more countries yes. as time goes on. Yes, so we do two things. That's our clone vision. you guys. <laughs> I don't know how you keep up. I don't well, know. but Again, I think it all stems back to the one talent I asked the Lord for, and it was faithfulness. And so if you're listening today and you're asking God, what am I supposed to do? What is my talent? I don't feel like I have any at all. Um, 
Start with faithfulness. Be faithful at one thing God gives you to do. And before you know it, there'll be another opportunity and an open door and then another. And you will not believe in every season, in every stage, the opportunities that God will give you to serve him, Mm -hmm. to advance his kingdom, and most of all, to bring him glory. And that's always been my prayer. That's pretty awesome. Why don't you just close us in prayer and just pray for the ladies out there that are listening that even some of them that maybe aren't quite sure where to put their hand to the plow right now. Or It's funny because the first thing I did after becoming a Christian, I went to a, a Bible study with a lot of older, older and middle-aged ladies, and I babysat. I watched their kids. Mm-hmm. I would go in the nursery and say, okay, sure, I'll watch your kids during your Bible study. Wow. And that's the first thing I, that was a few months after I became a Christian. So that's how I started off too. Look at that. Hey, there's a spot for everyone. There is. In the kingdom. There is. And Let's God pray. just takes you from one place to another. So he, he does. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. It's nothing we can do of ourselves, but as we put our trust and faith and hope in you, Lord, you give us grace for what you've called us to do. And Lord, I thank you for every woman listening. I know that you have given them talents, you have given them gifts. You have given them ministries that they just see the small picture right now. They just see maybe even the start of it, but you have so much more for them ahead. Lord, I pray that you would multiply their gifts, multiply their talents. Lord, give them grace to not only serve, but to sit at your feet and to uh, nurture their children and train them up in the way they should go. Lord, I just pray for... um, anyone that's a little frustrated or feel like they're stuck right now. And Lord, I just ask that you would open up your word to them. Father, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. And Lord, slowly begin to open doors. And as they go through them, Father, take them beyond their wildest dreams of serving. Lord, take them to places, even in the world, they never Mm. thought that they would go. And Mm -hmm. Lord, for those that have children, Lord, may they create uh, families of world changers for the local church, for this nation, and Lord, for the nations of the world. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in the Flourish Network, uh, in Pennies in My Life, and Father, in the nations of the world. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Susie, for being a part of this podcast. And uh, those of you that are part of Flourish, we all know and love Susie. So love you all, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Flourish podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.